Welcome to the Raw Review on LAP Radio. I just repeated myself, but who cares? My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also in podcast form. I'm sitting really weirdly. <laughs> Link to the description or head over to wrestlingheadlines.net. And uh, today we'll be asking Was Keith Lee's Raw debut immediately botched? Or are there just some folk who are overreacting? Or the reason to react? Just, just. That, spoilers, that's my view. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be quickly going through that. First time here that I've got comments to get through before I even run through the stuff. But just a little quick, quick plug. So if you want to hit me up at the damn Implicat, it's under my name the entire time. On Thursday, I think the show is going to be a somewhat of a mix of uh, the, the standard NXT review and NXT TakeOver kind of talk. I've got uh, Jay Cool, the writer of the Cool Points on... Uh, the um, lots of pain slash wrestling headlines.net he's going to be joining me to go through that stuff so if you were if you're wondering where nxt takeover content's been on the uh, lots of pain in terms of the audio and video content uh, kind of booking it in for then because i've been so busy <laughs> uh, also trying something out keeping cartoon imp in the bottom left corner because i made a load of assets for the animated video and png imp was one of them so you're getting Cartoon Imp just to see. And as like if you've watched my videos before, you know that wall is damaged in the corner. So let's just put a Cartoon Imp in front of it, see what happens. <laughs> anyway, Keith Lee's war debut. Nobody wants me to hear him talk about the other stuff. Uh, so was it a botch or not? So when I, uh, went, when I woke up, I saw lots of complaints, but I had no context. Uh, I had uh, emails and, and things as well. People messaging me just... Like, if you've seen the debut, like, uh, it was it done this, it done that, they've changed this and that. So, I knew there were changes going in, but I didn't know, like, in what area. So, it's like, with an ANXT call-up, and I hear they've changed things with Keith Lee. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I can say why, but until I see what they are, I can't really judge it. So, Randy Orton's cutting a promo, and he's delivering an amazing promo. When I go through it beat by beat through the show... Yeah, um, from, like massive thumbs up to the uh, Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton stuff again. <laughs> Just absolutely nailing it. It's amazing to like see how fantastic Drew McIntyre, not Drew McIntyre, well, he has been fantastic, but Randy Orton, to see what he's like in form. It's like, oh, if we could get this Randy Orton, like more. <laughs> Randy Orton, you normally get. Like, you get him having an absolutely amazing year, then the next year's like, right, I've put in my effort, now I'm just going to have a bit of fun this next year. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Uh, but Randy Orton's course, cutting an amazing promo on Drew McIntyre in reaction to what came earlier. When Keith Lee walks out and makes his debut, he was announced on Smack on uh, SmackDown, on SummerSlam to be making an official debut, so everybody was aware he was arriving. There was a few worries of, okay, here we go, another NXT call-up. There hasn't been a successful singles, I guess, male call-up since Kevin Owens? Does Sami Zayn count? <laughs> I don't really know. Sami Zayn hit an area, and he has some fantastic matches against Kevin Owens. But I feel like Kevin Owens has really only been the the like single successful like NXT call-up, like in like hitting the ground running kind of thing. There was a blip afterwards. 
but he hit the ground running against John Cena, or was made to at least feel like a big deal. Maybe that's the better way of wording it. Kevin Owens stepping up to big John Cena was made to feel like a big deal immediately, rather than here's somebody and we, you don't know whether to get invested or not because you don't know if we'll be featuring them in three or four weeks. But <laughs> um, Keith Lee, I feel like was the first one where they sent him in against a big guy and that made him feel important. And they established he had a friendship with Drew McIntyre and used this single episode of Raw to set up a rivalry with Randy Orton to then establish that they'll have a match at Payback. And Keith Lee comes out. I just realised I've not scored down to my notes for this. This would probably make a lot more sense <laughs> if I can properly do it. But Keith Lee full-on challenges Randy Orton to a match. Uh, like There and then, though. So they do set up a match for tonight. But in terms of presentation, so this was the first thing. His normal, his normal start the theme hits, bask in his glory, for he is limitless. Then it cuts into a generic guitar riff. And immediately I'm just like, okay. <laughs> so this is, I heard there were changes plural, and this is the first one. And then he comes in and cuts a promo, and he's, his Keith Lee delivery is like really good. <laughs> he's always... He's got amazing delivery of his lines, Keith Lee. Like, he, whatever, like, I feel like he's perfect for the WWE kind of writing where his delivery will make it seem unique and the way he would say it. So you don't need to necessarily write like him because his delivery and his way of reading it is, it really makes it unique on his own. Which, uh, I guess, in WWE world, he should fly. It's just, obviously, it depends what's written about him. So that was the first change to a generic guitar riff. And for me, it's, it's words from uh, Jim Johnson, which obviously I didn't always agree with why Jim Johnson did a certain musical thing, but it, like mostly like he was on it. The amount of things he did that was just fantastic or iconic or really added to the character. But one of the things he said was, you've got to make sure that the music like that is playing, like you, it does add to the character. It's part of them. Like I think he was saying with Vader, where it's just like the boom, boom, like because you see him and he's just this menace. So he's like, well, that makes uh, makes sense that the kind of like a drum beat that's going in the background with him and then the heavy guitar, like it just makes sense. And I felt like Keith Lee getting the generic rock music after his intro broke every one of those rules. <sighs> so like, like yeah. Yeah, this random guitar, if that, that totally fits his character, that tells you who he is. But no, <laughs> like, it ticks all the wrong boxes. Whilst his NXT theme really added to his character, it was him singing it. And like, that's part of the charm of Keith Lee in a way as well. It's something he did on the indies too, where he would sing his own theme. And it, again, with the Baskin in his glory, it took me a while to get acclimatised to that because I liked his indie theme so much. I recommend searching it if you, just to see what I'm talking about. I think just searching Keith Lee indie or Keith Lee theme indie might be enough. But he, like, he, like genuinely, the, the NXT theme added to his character really was a part of him. It was like, you got that feeling like he he has created this theme, his whole image, and he's, like, it, that really, really helps. This guitar riff added nothing to his character. Like, it was taken away a whole bit, which, like again, in terms of the presentation, does it fit him? Does it tell does it tell you, the audience, about him? No, it's just a generic guitar riff. Like, it's it's up there with Buddy Murphy, where he got his, like, new theme when he went on Raw. 
if she's like, this is generic nothing. I get no- like this. <laughs> when, you know, when I hear generic nothing theme, what that tells me, is, it reflects on the character. As it generic nothing equals this character is generic nothing or mid card. Uh, they're not a, they're not a superstar. It's essentially it. The superstars get the unique ones where you can really tell that that's their music. And Keith Lee's got his opening. He's still got that. He's still got part of it. The part as well is his thing goes down because like it's like basking his glory and then goes and then it normally builds up into the choir basking his glory. But it goes down and it goes to a guitar riff and they're not even the same. Pace, they're not the same bit, uh, tempo as we're looking for. They're not the same tempo, so it's really jarring. Like it's, it's, it's not the worst. It's not like where WWE themes where they cut in between them, like I guess Rand, Randy Orton and Edge, where it's like yes, they were two rock songs, <laughs> but they didn't gel. This is a two different styles, which could work, but because they're two different tempos and paces and beats, like drum beats in the background as well. It's just so jarring. <laughs> it's so... It's, it's, it felt like when Keith Lee turned up to the arena and they were doing the practice, somebody was like, I don't like this theme, and they made it there and then, and they just used whatever was on hand. That's what it felt like to me. But that doesn't mean that's true, because personally, since CFO Dollar Sign left at WWE, their music overall, unless it's rock... It makes me feel like whoever they got doing the music can do music, but not in all genres. And I feel like that was CFO Dollar Signs. I know that's what not what they're called. <laughs> was that what they were called? I call them CFO Dollar Sign. Um, when they they could do lots of different things in lots of different um, styles of music, which which means they're really perfect because they can create different styles of music for different kinds of people. But Keith Lee, whoever's doing the music now cannot do a wide array and I feel like because uh, Killer Cross's song it's, it's a, yeah, it's fantastic it fits him so much it adds to his character immensely it's an incredible entrance but Keith Leaves was like one of the last of the CFO dollar sign music and like I don't know was there a reason they not using that like, it's, use it on NXT like it can't be a oh we can't use this off the network on USA type of thing because he's had it for a full year <laughs> on the next thing so that line means nothing it, it's really weird it's a character change that makes no sense I've gone on about it too much because the next character change after they made the challenge and it's like always stepping up to the big man in Randy Orton and then Randy Orton leaves but with the look of a alright then like he had that look to him uh, later they do have the match and this is where they changed his outfit in a way as well so he was donned in baggy shorts and a vest. I was like, what are you doing to this man? <laughs> you best not be fat-shaming him, Vince. Uh, but, like, the it's, it's, it's two strange changes, but understandably Vince as well, in terms of, like, what he what you know. Like, Keith Lee has an incredible, unique look that really adds to him, uh, again, with the entrance as well. As he stood there basking in his glory, he's got such a calm confidence about him. Uh, it's it's like such a unique feeling that he, he just emits this aura. And the fact that he does that, it's like, like it doesn't matter that he hasn't got a six-pack. Because he emits such a unique aura that the whole package just works. But he hasn't got a six-pack, so he's got a vest on. That's my immediate thought. As in... 
they, like that's not how that's not the kind of main event star that Vince envisions. Therefore, put a top on. Even like like why? <laughs> it's it's a really odd one. Well, not an odd. It's understandably Vince, but it's also doesn't. In terms of, I guess, if you're looking at little things that WWE do that do not, I guess, mesh with the current era, as in, like, like the, for example, the young audience they're grabbing for, they don't care. He is a larger-than-life character. He doesn't need the thing. It's like, oh, he hasn't got a six-pack, got to cover it up. Like, he's a larger-than-life character. It works. <laughs> it's fine. He doesn't need to put the vest on. It, yeah. it is a, it's a definite Vince thing, that. And I guess, personally, I'm obviously against it. Like, why would you not display all body types in a way? Like, <laughs> why would we so against it if they've got to look a certain way? You got to cover. Like, no, no. And the fact that that was paired with the shorts, it was like, it was like he was dressed to go to the gym. And I was like, well, did he get a sudden late call up and had to just jet and he didn't have his gear? Like, no, he. This felt like a genuine thing. So yeah, two really strange chases, changes, but it was paired. With them, like, really putting him over against Randy Orton. Like, stepping up against one of the main event guys from the pay-per-view that just happened. Like, just the night prior. Like, he was avoiding and blocking a lot of Orton's early offense. Like, the legend can have forced to go outside and use the heel tactics. Lee powering out of a pin with force. Full-on pouncing Orton out of the ring. Like, Randy quickly having to bring out his signature moves to actually try and ground him. And uh, like catching him, like, the great DDT, quickly going for the RKO, and that's where Drew runs in and attacks him, and Keith Lee kind of just vanishes whilst that's happening, and then returns later on. Raffi's been attacked to set up the match with Orton at Payback. But it's two. It's a weird mix. And like I'm struggling. Uh, I'm doing really well to hold myself off going into I guess deeper commentary, uh, a because I don't feel I'm not the guy to commentate on it, and the words have already been said, but. It's one of those things where it could very strongly just be a weird, really weird Vince thing, as in he's just he's not a six pack guy, therefore put a vest on. Something about his music he didn't like, so change it to a generic rock thing, or whatever he got on hand. It's like two changes which were uniquely Keith Lee, and they've just immediately changed him, just taken them away. It's like, not a massive fan of those two. Those I feel like it's two changes that are so kind of tied to him. In that his unique image and his music as well. And you remove both of them for reasons I am not aligned with myself. Yeah. So, but I would also say it's ridiculous to say that Keith Lee was botched. <laughs> so that, that's why in the title, I did just have it as a question mark. And then I thought, eh. And then I did it as an exclamation mark. I thought, eh. <laughs> but the uh, question mark, exclamation mark combo. Oh, that was perfect. Like, did they botch him immediately? They made some weird decisions and changes that are completely unnecessary and, if anything, take back from the Keith Lee character. As in, that's, for me, that's why would you do that? They covering him up to so you go, don't get to see his unique look and changing his theme, which really added to his character, to a generic theme that adds nothing. It's like, they're two such strange changes <laughs> that I can totally understand. People are like, oh, they've ruined him, they've botched him. This is like, in record time, they've broken this man. That's like, how, how, does it, how do they do it? <laughs> I can totally understand people having that kind of line of view because the changes are so questionable. But it was also paired with a massive push and an immediate feud with, like, the top heel 
in the company right now, or at least on. I guess I don't know what SmackDown is. I need to watch SmackDown. <laughs> oh dear, a whole box just fell over, so that's great. And, okay, cool. So you're going to see that. <laughs> Hopefully that's all right. I'm going to leave it because I'm live. Uh, but still, again, I am in a world where there's an extension happening right above me and around him. There's uh, a door right behind this camera with a massive scaffolding built above it. So there's boxes piled everywhere. Uh, I do really well each week to make it look like that's not the case. I don't, have I knocked the laptop a bit? I think I have. That's, an, that's irritating because there's a light to the left of me which will blind some of you. Uh, anyway, so the... The match has been massively distracted. <laughs> Sorry about that. A box did just fall onto my wires and foot. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, I can under totally understand people being of that mindset. However, he wasn't botched. His uh, he was put over so strongly that there's no way I could look at it like that. He's been given such a big match that no, there's no way I would consider it a botch. I would consider it very questionable changes that I really don't understand, but he's not broken. Especially because they put him over so much and uh, Payback is going to get a massive showcase. He's immediately set to feel like a big deal and that is better than so many NXT call-ups. It's one of those things where he's featuring so heavily it doesn't feel like a normal NXT call-up or something where they'll get maybe a showcase against Dolph Ziggler or they'll get... Like uh, like squashed matches and then forgotten about, or EC3 not even featured. <laughs> like just really bad. Like do we even care stuff? Sanity as well, called up with nothing. Uh, for, yeah, there's quite a few bad ones, but this felt important. It felt big, and that was that was good. So at least there's that. Personally though, I don't get. Yeah, for, for me, it's it's a Vince thing that I personally think is just ridiculous and stupid. Keith Lee's look is so unique that it works and it doesn't matter that he doesn't have a six-pack because his look is, again, unique and works. It adds to him as a character and a person. Um, I mean, uh, I've been dancing around it because it's in my head. Uh, there was a line of commentary about um, kind of, I guess, black people and race and how it's seen in kind of the, uh, I guess, in the media world. And uh, there was a radio DJ over here and um, I can't recall her name right now, which is really bad. Cause the story's in my head, though, so I'm going to say it. Um, British, British people know who she is because this story blew up over here. Well, the, or there when she said it. Because it was said with such emotion that it was just... Like, it just hit the pulse so well. Um, and explained it really well to people as well who kind of like need the social commentary kind of explaining or learning about it. But she said that the, the phrase kind of is like, it felt like, as a black person that you, as a society, you want my talents, but you don't want me as a person, as a black person. And the reason this is jumping around in my head, because the changes that were made to Keith Lee were so uniquely him and had added to him that that, that's, that immediately jumped into my head. As in, but it's, it's, the reason that he kind of gets pulled back a bit is because like Vince has done this before with other fat people. Just to, <laughs> just to say it like that, overweight people. He did it with Killian Dane most recently. Uh, it, this is not a new thing to him. With Roman Reigns, there's a, that's the reason he wears the vest. Like, even his top guy in Roman Reigns has to cover up, even though he's in amazing shape because he doesn't have the Drew McIntyre Greek god that he has to cover up. So... That is the case there. 
But it's the change of the theme paired with that, as in he's got such a unique look, and then you take away something that's so strong about his character. Uh, again, he changes themes and messes around with them all the time as well, but pair them together, I really got that strong feeling. It's just this oomph of... It's you like taking his talents, his amazing talent, but it's not. But his character got completely taken away, and that's reminded me just of that. It's like, I feel like it's still, it's still such a relevant like topic to talk about as well and bring up. But uh, that's it was it was in my mind. Uh, but yeah, I am fully aware Vince has done this with like white athletes as well, to put it like that. And uh, this is something I really should have noted down when I thought of it. <laughs> I was going, to, I was not going to bring it up, but it was on my mind so much as I was saying it. It's like wanting his talents, but not him as a person. And it just, these changes just stank of that, which absolutely sucks to see, but it's, I feel like it's a necessary kind of commentary to make. Uh, were these changes made because he was overweight and because he didn't like the theme? Or was there, or was there something more to the changes? As in, why didn't he like the theme? Why did he make him cover up? Uh, why didn't he like his unique look? Is it just a fat shaming thing, or is there something, or is it something like more to it? Um, again, it's not a conscious race thing. That's not what I'm saying. That's that's the whole point of this, and this whole point is education. This year, there's still so many people missing that point. Uh, it's more subconscious, more societal, which takes a lot of time to kind of. For, not everybody's going to learn that at the same pace, but it because it's not blatantly there. And sometimes it takes quite a bit of time anyway. Anyway, that's a massively big tangent. My point being, <laughs> there were some very questionable changes about Keith Lee that I personally wouldn't have made because they took away from his character, but in-ring-wise, they really put him over. Which is why it was conflicting, and that's why it reminded me about the radio DJ over here, just with her, the sentence that she said, that it reminded me so much of that, just because they put his talent over so much, but then pulled back on him as a character. That is so strange. <laughs> uh, but they did have they did say that he is friends with Drew McIntyre and at payback for what Randy Orton did to Drew with multiple punts throughout the show and they uh, showed Drew getting taken to hospital after the, the effects of them really putting over the punt and now we find ourselves going to payback this Sunday with Keith Lee facing Randy, or Randy Orton in a really big match which is great for Keith Lee it's great to see that again why did they pull back on certain parts of his character that's uh, in presentation. Like, for me, that's, that's, that's strange rather than anything else. But he's not botched, he's fine. Uh, yes. Also, I know I undernarred around that a tangent a fair bit, <laughs> but uh, it was. It's not an easy topic. And me just being a random white bloke, that's why I say I'm, I'm not the person to talk about this. There are many people out there to talk about this. Um, but I feel like I'm going to keep bringing it up. Like, I see the comments on Lords of Pain, and I feel like. If I keep making these points and keep bringing it up as being an issue, it will eventually become normal for it, this this kind of talk to be featured on the site. People have been pushing it for like for years, and they've got so much pushback. Like shout out to Rich Latter for trying to explain uh, as a black guy who lived in Tampa when the whole fall fallout with Hulk Hogan happened. Like he tried to explain his point of view, and the backlash he got. But massive kudos to doing it, and ever, ever since it's kind of like. I felt inclined to talk about it, whether I, or not I'm not the guy, or at least retweet people talking about it. To feel like the talk is necessary, it's important to have, it's important to feature. Uh, like the more people get educated about it, 
the less stupid about it they'll be, I guess is a way. <laughs> that may sound like I'm talking down to people, but <laughs> it's just don't be ignorant and listen. This is the best way I can put it. Oh, massive tangent. This isn't meant to be about that. <laughs> it's meant to be about uh, other things. So let's start of the night. Drew McIntyre relating to all of this. He cuts a fantastic promo. Again, Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre both nailing it. Again, I thought Keith Lee also nailed his lines. Uh, Drew McIntyre, he thinks the Thunderdome is cool and he's proud to be champion. Which leads me to, when I logged in to do this live stream, I had a couple of messages. So I'm going to, uh, on the live chat, so I'm going to quickly just address them. Uh, feels like the five rest of the paper, Thunder. Do you like or prefer Rusev? I like Rusev. <laughs> so not really much more to say. I, yeah, I've always uh, I've really liked Rusev. For me, um, I was laughing at the Russia gimmick because I knew he was Bulgarian, and I was just like, oh, like to to Vince, that's close enough. <laughs> and I, as a European, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's just like no, they're completely different countries. The fact you're getting a Bulgarian to play a Russian is uh-huh, okay, but to to Vince and yeah, to certain people, it's close enough. They're basically the same thing. <laughs> They're really not. <laughs> it's just cannot cannot emphasise that enough. I found that hilarious. But he totally won me over in the League of Nations. Like a gimmick that just died of death. Really, it was clearly only there for one reason, and when they served their purpose, mm. and uh, that was a massive flaw. Really, they were so blatantly just there for Ren- for Roman Reigns to defeat, and they served their purpose when he won the title. And when they started messing about with stuff, it kind of uh, sucked a bit. But yeah, uh, he, won me, he was so funny <laughs> in the, the League of Nations that he totally won me over. And I was a massive fan ever since. Uh, Rusev Day was great. And it sucked that they were obviously... Like the the uh, Rusev or Miro now talking about Vince telling him that they would, the fans were joshing him with the chanting Rusev Day thing. So like, hmm, Vince didn't like it. Therefore, he wasn't going to push it. But he was sugarcoating it and it can read through the lines kind of thing. Also, is the hacker retribution or have they abandoned that? I fully believe the hacker is just dropped and abandoned. They could easily tie it together and include them. Include him or her in this gimmick. But it's just a dropped storyline. As in it screams dropped storyline. <laughs> it screams... To be fair, retribution... Oh, actually, no, I'll talk about retribution later. Because they are featured in the show, it makes sense to get my points across there. Uh, but yeah, the hack is just an abandoned storyline. <laughs> There's not much to say. Also, Retribution and. Because Retribution's building up to something, so it doesn't really account. But Raw Underground, we're at week three, is it now? And. Or was it week four? Oh, I can't remember. I think it's week three. I think this is week three of Raw, Raw Underground existing. And it's not dead yet, it's still going. The, my rule was after four. Is it still a thing? Or do, uh, does it massively change into then shifting to something else? After four weeks, is Raw Underground still a thing? The answer is yes. After four weeks, is Retribution still a thing? The answer is likely to be yes. So kudos to WWE. They're, when they're trying out stuff and throwing stuff at the wall, it, even if it may feel random, the bigger stuff isn't just getting dropped compared to 2019. The summer of 2019, my God. <laughs> like, they're not doing that. So Because the show felt really random. After, uh, like three or four, two or three weeks ago, and I was really worried, but it's, it's settled down a bit. <laughs> like this show, I'll get to it later, but yeah, it's not as bad. Like it's, it's calmed down. It, it reminded me of the 2019 summer. I was a bit worried, but it was just the one show. 
But anyway, he, uh, Drew McIntyre cuts an amazing promo. And I really liked him saying, like, like, didn't Randy win a match called the greatest wrestling match ever? Well, last, t- last night, I won with a wrestling move. So what does that make me? Uh, and then he states, if Randy wants to go again, he's all for it. Uh, this time, he'll go... He will get to do the one thing he didn't at SummerSlam and kick his head off and take him to Claymore Country. Makes his way up the ramp, turns around to the crowd to raise the title and cheer once more. Uh, I really like how he was saying how much he loves the Thunderdome because it felt it felt genuine. McIntyre's really good at that with his promos. He would just say something. It's like he's saying it to cameras. Like, wow, this is great. This is awesome. But it's the way he delivers it. Like, I genuinely believe that he thinks it's awesome. Like, as a person. And that, that really, really kind of adds to him. It's, he's doing really, really well at being kind of relatable like that. And it puts over the Thunderdome. <laughs> so just, oh, good employee work there, Drew. <laughs> when Orton out of nowhere, uh, the two brawl into Gorilla and Randy wins out the fight, launching the Big Scott into the wall. Uh, Orton taking quick advantage and running in with the punt. Officials run out to try and protect Drew, including Sanjay Dutt. Nice to see you, Sanjay. But it doesn't work and the Viper charges in with a second punt. Like, seems the feeling was mutual. Orton also wanted to do the thing he wasn't able to at SummerSlam and kick his head off. Tonight, he really won. Like, Drew won on Sunday. But Monday night was all Orton. And so a building to the next thing. That's just really well done. Uh, like, I mean, with Payback being this Sunday, it is a bit balmy. <laughs> You've got one week to build a pay-per-view. That's a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> just, why? Like, the only thing I can think of is they found out that Roman Reigns was definitely coming back. It was definitely a thing. They got him booked for SummerSlam, got that all organised, and as quick as possible, they're going to get the belt on him. So, payback. Poof! There you go, there's payback, and Roman Reigns, it can feel a bit more natural because it's a pay-per-view. Yeah, it's one week after a other pay-per-view, so you've got two shows. Well, you've got one show for each brand to build to a pay-per-view. That is ridiculous. Like... I'm generally just in two minds about whether or not just to cover it. And it's only because I'm doing stuff for lots of pain. Now, this weekend, it was set for New Japan. I was all set. <laughs> it was all good. Suddenly, I'm up really late Sunday night covering a thing. It's like, oh, that bloody sucks. <laughs> well, I, even built a, I don't think I'm about to do a live show for J- Jingu Stadium show. So I'm going to have to write, I'll write a column instead. So at least I'll be covering it. It just won't see me in my pretty graphics. <laughs> but still... Uh, anyway, after that, a backstage interview with uh, Sarah Schreiber. She, you'll see her a lot tonight. Uh, she's with Nia Jax, and Jax, Jack, uh, Jax says that she's back and got she got reinstated. And all she had to do was go to Pat Book and, uh, you know, apologize. Uh, as my microphone hopefully doesn't peak, uh, telling Shayna off like you like. Not Shana, t- telling the uh, interviewer off Sarah. It's like, you, what did you think I was going to say? Like, I mean, yeah, that gag doesn't really work with such an obviously timed unnatural pause. <laughs> no, it did. Uh, but hey, she's a heel, it's fine. Like, her delivering like that as a heel works. Because it's per- for me, it's perfectly fine for heels to be a bit corny and a bit crap with their jokes. So, especially somebody like Naya, where she kind of plays like a bully-like character. Uh, for her, for the bully-like character to make crappy jokes that she thinks is her- are hilarious, but it's really not. Like, mm, I'm fine with that. 
obviously it felt like it scripted as hell and <laughs> really unnatural but because the kind of character Nia Jax is I'm fine with it I can let it slide uh, Shayna Baszler walks in and insults her uh, calls her Haystacks something apparently he was a guy who like died in the 80s and I'm like oof Oh, relevant reference. <laughs> like, no wonder I didn't know who it was. Uh, Naya, I-, I was born in 92. <laughs> Just to make a point. Uh, Naya calls her an Adam's Family reject, another relevant... I mean, this, that was the animated movie. Ah, oh, damn it, that one's come back. So, just love all around between Basler and Jax. That builds over the night. And part one is immediately next. Uh, Bailey with Sasha Banks versus Shayna Baszler. Uh, the emotion from last night all over Banks and Bailey. Even though Bailey retained, Sasha looks so unhappy without her war. I can't say it. War Women's Championship. I just love the slowly building break they've been doing, like gradual strains on the relationship rather than one big whoop, big plot point. Like Sasha, not happy with Bailey, and it shows on both their faces. Like Bailey knows it, and Sasha. It's like, ugh, but keeping it inside. Oh. <laughs> and like, I really generally like that. I feel like for me, even though I'm saying, because I've seen people, are they going to do the breakup angle? For me, it's come across as, no, they're doing it. They've been doing it for quite a while, but it's not in the normal WWE storytelling way. And it's in that kind of way where I, would, like, I wouldn't be out of the realms for WWE to just not do it. Purely because it's like lots of subtle things and you'll see looks and reactions to things. And yes, they may improve in how... Not improve. They may increase in the amount of times you see them in maybe a show or two. Like over this weekend, definitely increased. But they're never addressed really by commentary. And normally WWE storytelling is quite short, quite, quite fast, quite short. Blatant kind of plot points. Uh, even if they told over a longer piece of time, like I guess The Rock, John Cena, you they'll only turn up for like big plot points type of thing. And when there's a turn, you'll know about it. But the way they've been doing Sasha Bailey isn't really that. You're seeing strains on the relationship like the entire time. Like, I still expect there to be the big let's get a pop moment. But like for me, I think the example I used was look at AEW and how they're doing Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. That's the same thing. Well, yes, they're tag team champions. Yes, they may have kind of been getting along. But they're building the angle to split the entire time. But letting them be an act for long enough where they generally feel like an act. It's not the Kevin Owens in the New Day where it lasted, what, one week? Like, didn't even last longer than that, <laughs> which is just crazy. But, like, just really, Sasha and Bailey are a team. They are, you have really, really have got across that they are friends with a proper friendship, which has got strains and issues but they cope with it they get on they work through them but those issues appear to be building and building and SummerSlam I really really like the story they were telling there and it repeated itself again tonight uh, in this match uh, this match was okay it was fine it was building relatively nicely showcasing Baszler again as a dangerous threat but the interference kind of cut it down a bit like that was a running theme for a lot of the big shows Big shows, big matches, because I had to set up a pay-per-view. And how do you set up a pay-per-view with one show without people just walking up to each other and going, do you want a match? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's WWE. They try and get a bit more creative than that. Uh, before the bell can ring, Nia Jax's music blasts over the Thunderdome. Uh, she just stands there on the ramp, uh, watching like a normal person. 
Baszler really put over as a dangerous competitor, able to transition so much of Bailey's offense into like a holder or submission that the uh, Smackers champion needing Sasha Banks to run distraction to get a proper foot in. Uh, Bailey was able to throw Shayna to the outside, where her opponent never made it back in the match, uh, thanks to an attack from Nia Jax, uh, causing the DQ as she beats her up, throwing the uh, throwing Baszler in once more for a bit more damage, and there in the ring, uh, Banks and Bailey slide out the ring, and they're just laughing at Jax and Baszler, when Jax and Baszler suddenly realise... And they stop, the fight kind of just, it just pitters out, it just dies. And they look at the tag champions, as like they realise that the champions are right there at ringside. And they turn their attention, and the unlikely alliance has a connection. Uh, this sets up your tag team match. It's a bit odd and a bit strange and weird. I, it's weird, because I was saying, if, I fully expect Banks and Bailey to lose the titles, and that's like the properly first massive strain on the relationship is it's building and building but i feel like them losing the tag team championships especially in this way especially after SummerSlam, and it all coming like bang 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 one after the other in terms of like hard hits especially from the point of view of sasha banks that i i yeah i just feel like the final note in this week of uh, hard hits for sasha banks to take in the point of view of her friendship with bailey I feel like them losing the tag titles on Sunday is the next beat. It's just a shame that they only had one week to build it and that Jax and Baszler kind of feel a bit thrown together, even though there has been a little bit of a build of a feud between them. They've, yeah, it's been little bits of feuds in a way, and maybe it's just building a friendship they just don't really get on. Uh, Baszler slapping her in the face later when they agreed to be a team. <laughs> it kind of makes a point. Yeah. But yeah, it's the right beat for the Banks-Bailey storyline, but the opponents, it feels a bit thrown together and a bit weird, purely because they've not had the time to build it. Like, uh, they did a whole storyline for Baszler and Jax, which would last three, four weeks, and did it all in one night. And for me, that's why it feels a bit out of nowhere and a bit quick. Because, again, they were feuding with each other, they were fighting against each other, they were Raw Underground last week, they had a brawl. Uh, the, you saw Jasmine Duke and Maria Shafir turn up. Like, yeah, there was genuine build to that. But uh, purely because it's only one week, it feels like it's jumped pretty quickly. Where you would have done like a lot of these beats, like one week per beat. But now it's all in one. It feels like, oh, you've shifted direction. <laughs> like, pretty bad. Okay, they're teaming together now. Like right, Unlikely pairings, uh, whatever it was called, on the wheel whenever WWE were in Vegas. Oh, I miss those shows. I really enjoyed <laughs> WWE shows where they had the wheel of stipulations and they just span it. Uh, uh, Strange Bedfellows, that what it, that's what it was called. I miss that gimmick. <laughs> oh, I really like that night. I always look forward to it. And especially as a young, as a, as a preteen. <laughs> that was like my favourite style of Raw. Anyway, uh, next up, Kevin Owens show with Alistair Black. Uh, Black clad in an eye patch, suit and vest. An interesting combination. He tells KO it's fine uh, to show the footage of Murphy pressing his eye into the steel steps. Like, no, it's, it's all right, it's all right. Just, just show it, just so the people kind of know what I've been through. Uh, but when we return, he's hunched over, like, clearly not fine. And Kevin tries to relate. He also has had uh, Seth Rollins get in his head. He's also someone that's, ha that's directly been targeted by the Messiah and his disciple. When Alistair kneels like onto the ground, clutching his eye, as if like, oh crap, I'm in pain. 
Uh, Ko goes to help, but it's a ruse. Uh, Black spins round with an elbow, knocking uh, Kevin Owens to his knee, and follows up with a black mass and knocking him down. And I've seen uh, quite a few different interpretations of this. For me, I immediately read it as the entire time. This is what he knew. This is what he was doing. As in, he went in to do this to get to pull Kevin Owens in, and when he realised he got him, he, that's when he went on the knee to properly kind of position and then go for it. He knew Kevin Owens would try and help him, and that's when he went for it. As in, it was all meticulously thought out, all methodical from Alistair Black with his new heel character. Other people have looked at it a bit more deeply, <laughs> and there's the thought of um, like. When Kevin tried to help him, the reason that he attacked was because Alistair Black is truly embarrassed about getting gotten like that. So, um, like, the injury, not only was it bad and horrific, he was he's also extremely embarrassed about it, and that's the reason he's lashing out. Uh, I'll go with the less... In terms of what a WWE actually doing, my one's got less depth to it, so I'm assuming it's that one. And I don't mind it, to be fair. Like, it's a complete new direction for Alistair Black. Uh, the, obviously he'll look cool with an eye patch, but <laughs> still, uh, I don't mind it. Backstage interview, just to quickly shift gears. Uh, Bailey and Sasha looking somewhat more upbeat after Bailey's victory at the start of the show. Uh, or I guess Baszler. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Schreiber asks, oh no, she didn't win, did she? I just realised, yeah. But uh, anyway, Sasha and her bonded. <laughs> I feel like the interview is from Jackson and Baszler one. Uh, Schreiber asks, how that's so when they only just escaped Nia and Shayna and they say they're not focused on them. It's a good thing they did because Sasha's got a rematch tonight against the Raw Women's Champion in a Lumberjack Max and she's got to prepare for that. It's a good thing to get hurt. So, ah, yes, that's right. Sasha's got a rematch after losing the title in a rematch at SummerSlam after the rematch on Raw was indecisive. Spot a trope there. <laughs> it's happened again. We're at the rematch Haven. It's happen happening again. Uh, when uh, when WWE hit a vein of gold, they do not stop mining <laughs> until it's all gone, uh, which means it, it runs out quicker. We're at that point now. Sasha versus Asuka is an amazing feud. They're both fantastic, but I'm done with it. <laughs> this raw properly felt like it. A 24/7 championship. Uh, Shelton Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander versus Akira Tozawa versus R-Truth, a fatal four-way, with the 24-7 rules suspended once the bell rings, as the commentators said. A quick bit of fun, like almost wrestling at a cruiserweight pace with the two or three minutes they got here. Uh, in the end, Benjamin powerbombed Akira out of the ring, uh, but he landed on the ninjas, who just lifted him back onto the, up onto the apron. A charging Shelton goes over, and an overzealous Truth gets sunset flipped into a pin. Akira Tozawa is once again 24-7 champion, and he quickly escapes up the ramp. That That's it. <laughs> I, I, I find it difficult to see 24-7 as nothing more than a bit of fun time filler. Like You give them a proper segment if you need some time to fill in a certain point. But it's just fun. It injects a bit of energy into it. Um, it's something different for a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, I'll, I will always struggle to get invested into it because it's a comedy belt, but it's a WWE style comedy belt, and a lot of their comedy falls flat for me. Uh, or it's too, maybe, I was going to say too childish, but it's, I just don't think it's that. It's too slapstick, I think is the word for me, a lot of it. So, yeah. Uh, backstage, Autumn walking down a hall. We get Sarah Schreiber for the third time in the night. <laughs> I don't even know it's been an hour yet at this point. 
Schweiber enters uh, stage right, uh, asks after his attack earlier, does he know what he's going to do next? Orton simply says, yes, I do. And he continues his way to the ring. And that's when he got our whole thing with Randy Orton and Keith Lee. Uh, I've already been through that. Uh, backstage, uh, Caruso's talking to us when she hears a Zelina, Gaza and Bachelor Lady off screen. Uh, she asks, I've written down her name lower down, uh, Demi Burnett, that's it. Bachelor, whatever it's called, um, it doesn't exist over here in the UK. It doesn't air. Well, if it does air, it's not on a main channel. I'm not going to look for it. <laughs> so it's off a show, so it's off a, a celebrity who, or a TV personality that I assumed was only going to be there for a week. This is week four, still here. <laughs> okay, she's properly in this storyline. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't, don't know who she is. Uh, the show doesn't exist over here, so I'm not really going to care or pay attention to the promotion for it. It's not my style of show. <laughs> uh, yeah, not my style of show. Isn't going to air. Don't know who you are. You're still here. Cool. You're featuring into this angle. Right, and, um, she asks uh, Zelina, uh, not she, uh, Caruso asks, <laughs> sudden interviewer change, uh, Caruso asks if Zelina will admit to poisoning Montez Ford now. Um, after playing worst case roulette with wrestling shorts last week, and uh, that video is up here on the Lots of Pain YouTube, uh, like, I just can't hear the, those words of poisoning a Montez Ford, I can't hear those words normal. Like, Who ate that goat? It was Montez Ford! <laughs> Watch the video, you'll get that gag. <laughs> Obviously, there's a lot of building context with the sentence, who ate that goat, it was Montez Ford. <laughs> oh, really made me laugh. Uh, Zelina has a match to get ready for, so leaves. Uh, Garza is up next, uh, but his in-fight for both Charlie and Bachelor Lady to feel free to join him doesn't go down so well with that interviewer. Like, just asking, like, yeah, just the reaction of, ew, like, no. No, that's a, that's a bit creepy. No. <laughs> it's like, yes, Charlie. Yes, Charlie. Well done. <laughs> Realisation. You're not blinded by Angel Garza's moves. Yeah, and uh, so we went straight to the match. Angel, Angel Garza, joined by Andrade and Demi Burnett versus Montez Food. Food. <laughs> Montez Ford. Who ate that goat? That's what's in there. <laughs> Montez Food. Montez Ford is just perfectly fine, on fire. Poisoning has paid, played no part apart from the fact he's out a week. Uh, Angel Garza is in jaw and I can't say it was joined by Andrade and Demi Burnett. Uh, they built some tensions with Andrade at SummerSlam because after losing again, because Street Profits just beat them again and again and again. And going into the pay per view, they'd beaten them just straight, and then they beat them again on the pay per view. It's like, <laughs> like, like logically, of course they did because they beat them the entire run to the pay per view and then beat them on it. So of course. Uh, but there was tensions there shown between Garza and Andrade. Then he cut to Raw, and it's like there's nothing. Like Andrade's just there because they're tag team partners, so he's there next to him. Just like Dawkins was there next to Montez Ford. Um, for Angel Garza, it's a love square. Uh, he evidently the distractions are affecting his match results. That plays out again here. Garza running well until he's running well over Montez Ford until Ivar came out with his sweet offer of meat for the lady. Uh, Angel's focus fully taken away and he turned right into a kick to the chest from Ford. Poor him. Uh, he tries to fight back but he fails. Uh, Garza pushed off the top rope and crushed by Ford's amazing direction change frog splash. The Street Profits beating Andrade and Garza yet again. Uh, but yes, like <laughs> I heard somebody else just uh, laughing at the thought that 
Well, Demi Burnett was out there to support Edward Garza and Ivar is like, because Ivar comes out, it's just like, pretty made for the lady. And she just takes it. <laughs> it's like, are you simple? <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, pretty me. She did, there was at least context saying that, that he, uh, Ivar and her had been talking. So it wasn't, wasn't a, oh, you've come with me. It's like, oh, it's Ivar. <laughs> More reaction like that. But it made me laugh that, pretty mate. <laughs> it's like, yes, please. Ah. <laughs> uh, can you tell I'm a bit knackered from the weekend? Because <laughs> I'm a little bit silly and a little bit dopey. Uh, editing all day Saturday to get the animation out for the uh, worst case roulette. Lots of effort put into that animation. And Sunday, up super late, going to bed at 5am after SummerSlam, after doing Aftershock. I'm a bit silly today. <laughs> a bit dopey. Baszler and Nia realise they might have something as a team. And they're backstage. Uh, both asserting they're the leader, though. And they both just shout at each other, yeah, but remember that this, or remember that that. And then Baszler just, like, they kind of agree in a, in a way. Uh, and Baszler, very friendly, just slaps Nia Jax in the face and walks off. But they both agreed to be a tag team before that, before entering a little more of a, yeah, well, yeah, well. And then the slap, just to emphasise they're not really friends. <laughs> it, it's a unique, it's different. Yeah, and this was where Banks and Bailey versus Baszler and Jax was officially announced for payback. Just got to make that official. Also announced the contract signing for uh, this Friday. The Universal Championship will, was also confirmed for payback after they said again and again that Roman Reigns has returned. They then switched that to there's going to be a championship signing. And that doesn't surprise me that much that there was a change as, as the news was coming out uh, when it came out today. That Raw was being written as it was airing. Like Vince turned up apparently at like 7 something p.m and rewrote the entire show again it's happened again and you can tell like the first i felt like the first two hours flowed really well which is quite remarkable given the second hour like still like by and apparently was still being rewritten uh, like towards the end of the first hour which is like that's crazy they were an hour in and it still hadn't been finished like the script for the show uh, which then doesn't surprise me that halfway through the show, the plugging for the Roman Reign for Roman Reigns shifted from he's back to he's got a match at payback. As in, in this period of time, the match got confirmed. I mean, it was one of those where you look at the scenario, and I'm assuming most of us thought that anyway. So it's like, yeah, it's not that it's not that big of a jump, and you've got a pay per view just the next week, so you're just doing this anyway. Uh, I get this is a reset. But all these matches with so little build, really hard to get invested. Like, it just turns it into a lot of stuff. Like, even if it looks great, the card looks strong. But it's all just stuff. Like, it's a Transformers movie. It's just stuff happening in front of me, which might look cool. But you get, you got your Kevin Dunn camera cuts, so you can't really tell a lot of it. And it's just stuff without much reason to care about the stuff happening. So, yeah, pretty pictures. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. Uh, but... It's officially announced, Roman Reigns, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman contract signing ahead of Sunday. Uh, looks like the rumours of them immediately putting the belt on Roman may have some weight to them. And yes, there's the thing of they were set to put the belt on Roman at WrestleMania and this is them kind of going to it. But in terms of story, in terms of investment, in terms of what I've seen on the product... There's no build to it. He just arrives. And if he, if he just arrives, win the, wins the title. There's not really much to that. If that makes any sense. And 
all the build they did ahead of WrestleMania. It's like, oh, they built him up for WrestleMania. They've not built him up for this match. <laughs> he's just returned. We don't really know what his character is. I really liked his presentation at SummerSlam, if they can keep that momentum going. Like, no crappy lines for SmackDown. Just keep this kind of character. Like, to the point where he's doing some heelish things, but that's just because he feels like he's got a direction of rage, a direction of anger. Uh, like the badass Roman Reigns that I personally wanted for so long, and they came close to doing it, after The Undertaker, they just backed off back into generic stuff. Like in a desperation of character tweaks to try and get him over. I was like, you were this close <laughs> to making Roman Reigns the badass. And I was really into that character. As in, doesn't really care if there's any booze or things. He's just a badass. They were so close. Uh, personally, I felt like his character did hit a nice stride. They put him into crap feuds every now and then. But he'd personally hit a strong stride. They put him in a decent written storyline. Like, he's great, he's perfect. He has great matches with almost everybody. Uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the match at Payback. It's just that I don't have... It's not been, as I said, he, the stuff is likely to be great. It may even be a very strong show. It's just that I don't have a lot of investment in what's happening, purely because it's just been so rapid fire, so quick. Uh, Zelina Vega and the Iconics versus Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair. Uh, the run of decent, quick, middle-of-the-card bouts with Ruby, Liv and the Iconics continues. Uh, this time incorporating Belair and Vega's rivalry, nicely mixing it up. The addition of those two was nice. Uh, the smaller Zelina, a really great opponent to showcase Bianca's strength. Uh, in the end, though, chaos all over. It looks like Bianca's going to get the win, but the Iconics jump in to stop it. Then it looks like the numbers game is too much before Ruby and Liv get back in and settle the odds. And then we're back to Zelina and Belair, a KOD to Vega for the win. Uh, Belair continues to be made look like a beast, which if this, this is if that's the end point of this, uh, yes, he got a little direction for a lot of he got a lot of time for Ruby Riot and the Iconics. I was really I've been really impressed with a lot of their stuff, uh, but Bianca feels like a star, and keeping to give her, giving her wins without elevating her whilst the current main event sort their stuff out like that's really smart, and you can for me I'd elevate Bianca, like when you elevate either Jax or Baszler which I think will be after payback. Like once they do that, then you can elevate Bianca into a feud with somebody. They could even go with Bailey or Sasha Banks. Like you don't have to... If Bailey or Sasha Banks have a bit of a... Uh, then you can, can use their falling out to give Bianca Belair some time with the, with the point of, oh, Banks and Bailey aren't really together. They're clearly affected by the falling out. Then you have Bianca Belair jump in and pick up some wins, continue to make her look strong. That's what I would do. I've got to remember, don't fantasy book anything on <laughs> WWE because you just make yourself disappointed when they do something else. Uh, arm wrestling. Uh, Rico Chef and Cedric Alexanderson are pissing about with the arm wrestling thing. Uh, Mark Henry takes it for the segment. They're just like kids. It's like, all oh, right then. But I really liked MVP. Uh, coming in and telling them off, like saying, come on, what are you doing? You just lost. Do you not care? Like, I love this. Like, MVP's character work is so good. <laughs> I've been into this so much. The fact that he tried to recruit them, they rejected him, but then he continues to be like, there's a reason I wanted to try and recruit you. And the only reason I'm beating you up, really, is because you keep refusing and I know how good you can be. The entire, it's like the entire time he's trying to say to them, please just listen. <laughs> it's nice. uh, I, like as a mentor character he is so good it's working so damn well and the Hurt Business gimmick is fantastic 
Uh, the greatest comeback of the year <laughs> for MVP. Uh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, like the story of he knows how great they can be. I love that. He's more dis. He's he's not angry. He's just disappointed. Like, oh, you're so good. <laughs> he's so good. Arm wrestling. <laughs> Here we go, guys. Uh, the uh, Mark Henry arm wrestling show. Uh, Bobby Lashley versus Apollo Cruz. Like. I've never really cared that much for the arm wrestling stuff. <laughs> it's it's a bit fine, I guess. But good God, do they do numbers? Uh, like every arm wrestling segment has over sixty million views on YouTube. Like, <laughs> damn it, people, why you be like this? <laughs> uh, shout out to uh, Gary Cassidy for actually doing the numbers on that. He's got more accurate numbers for all of the videos that they put up. But which is. But that number, good God, like, I do not blame them. Bobby Lashley's last one is on, like, 60-something million. It's like, ah, yes, I understand you doing it again. And this one will probably do well, too, because for some reason, our wrestling does really well. Um, Personally, yeah. Uh, But anyway, uh, hopefully, this United States Championship match will actually take place on the pay-per-view card this week. Huh? Uh, Lashley uh, pissing about before going to do the arm wrestling. Uh, but Apollo's actually the one to kind of capitalise. Uh, Bobby apparently doing something that's illegal in arm wrestling and sticking his foot kind of further out. And But then Apollo Crews just stamps on his foot and after that, he slams the hand down for the victory with Bobby like, oh crap, my foot! And then bam, Mark Henry's like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> like, you're in on the axe, damn it, Mark. Cheeky Crews. Even then, dodging Lashley's attacks and launching out to the rest of the Hurt Business over the top rope before they can come down. Uh, like, for me, I saw quite a few different opinions, but for me, not the worst way to give Apollo a tad of momentum before taking on the big lad. Like, shows he's got some genuine guile about him, which he will really need when getting up against the Hurt Business. Because I saw quite a few comments of, why are you booking Apollo heel? Well, I was like, it's like you're booking him to have guile which he's going to need against this unique kind of style of opponent in like the Hurt Business um, with Bobby Lashley. I'm fine with it. <laughs> it was fine. It's a trait he's going to need for the match and he established that he had it. So he's got a chance that he might win with something more than just uh, like avoiding the big attacks from the big guy. Uh, after that, Dominic versus Rollins recap. And then we're backstage with the family. Uh, Caruso asks how they're feeling after last night. Uh, Ray's proud of his son. Uh, Dominic says knowing it, knowing he had his family there made him stronger. Uh, a nice touch with Ray saying that Seth will understand all of this soon, but when he becomes a father, he'll learn all about how strong being a family can make you. And the Ray Mysterio family is stronger than ever. Which my immediate thought was, you've lost everything though. <laughs> you have one eye. Your son got whipped to <laughs> crazy at SummerSlam. Yes, he... He also impressed, but he lost <laughs> as well. You ended it with you in handcuffs. Kind of going after. Still, um, it was just that one comment. I can take the piss out of it, even though I'm enjoying the feud. Like, it, I, they've course corrected really well. Dominic is impressed at every single turn. It's obviously a shame about the ice stuff being an absolutely massive detractor for a month <laughs> in this storyline. But after that, for me, right back on course. And I thought SummerSlam was fantastic. And the building and turning really well, uh, featuring Dominic on Raw properly. Yeah, quite like it. Again, the hood's a bit of an odd decision. 
Uh, but I can buy it when a heel starts to kind of bring him down because he's got the hood. But they can grab it, they can keep him grounded. So it's, like, it's like a little rookie note, like a little thing. Yeah. Next up, Lana Natalia in a time filler. But I, I saw a lot of people like, eh, nothing. But I like this. I like immediately there something about the two of them in the matching outfits that makes me laugh. Like they've on all over their faces. It's like, look at us, look at me. Oh, it's just it's a character Lana does really well, and Natalia, Natalia to herself, to be fair, also does it really well. Like this is an act that is genuinely getting a laugh out of me, and which is nice. It was two minutes of getting a laugh out of me. And they say they're there to induct Mickey James. I've written Natalia in my notes. That's not right. They're there to induct Mickey James into the Hall of Fame. Um, they're saying, but they're like it's so difficult to measure up against Natalia. Like it's calling herself like the best of all time. Hashtag boat. <laughs> they're not gonna laugh at me. Don't know if that's a genuine thing, but saying hashtag boat, I just thought it was funny. And then saying like, oh, this is this cool Vogue thing to say. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I like that. They're going to retire Mickey James. Uh, first, though, Natalia shows her really hard editing work, working highlight skills, uh, all of James's career. Uh, but when they show it, it's just a blank screen. And uh, that's the gag <laughs> for the segment. There are no highlights. Uh, James darts down the ramp, really not messing about, runs right out and kicks them both in the face. Uh, Byron saying, you do not respect, disrespect Mickey James, which was the exact line fans were saying last week. Do you think they heard? <laughs> Did they by any chance hear the negative reaction of why you, you disrespect Mickey James like this and then directly say it on air? Yeah, it was short, it was fine. Mickey James looked like she had fire and Lana and Italian made me laugh before they got beaten up. It's like, yeah, fine. Segment number 10. Case in point, we're at Raw Underground Point and we're already in double digits. A full hour to go. We're already <laughs> in double digits in terms of segments. Or was it even more than an hour and we're already in double, double digits? Like, ah, this is where I suddenly realised, mm, and it all made sense after I found out that the show was being written as it was airing. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Suddenly, why we're we getting these short time filler segments. It, it all worked. Suddenly, ah, yes. The pa- it, it hurts to the pacing. Like, I wouldn't say... Raw Underground was my fatigue point, but it was certainly my how long is this show questioning mark of the night. Like, so many segments on this show to, like... Again, this is the 10th one of the night, and there's still a full hour to go. Like, we're into double digits. Normally, as a case in point, because I normally keep a tally of these things, because I do a number each segment so I know which part I'm at when I'm covering the show. And normally, for Raw, it's 9 or 10. That is the normal amount I got. So the fact that I saw 10 at the start of the hour is like, good God, <laughs> also that explains a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, anyway, don't care for Underground. Like, it's not my thing at all. I said this last week when I did the show with Vance Morris from Cheshot Radio. Uh, so I can't really give much commentary on it because I just don't take it in. I just zone it out. It's just so much about it isn't for me. But I did get that Lashers beat up a lad in white jeans. Then uh, Ziggler went at him but ended up getting launched out flying over into a wall over the crowd. We will return to Raw Underground, <laughs> but that's all I got happened. Uh, Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. I've already talked about that match, uh, but at the end of it, Drew McIntyre comes out and forces the DQ. Uh, the bell rings as they brawl along ringside. Orton escapes over the barricade and away as McIntyre gets back into the rings. It's like, ah, damn it, and just stares away to where, in the direction his enemy had ran into. 
It just stares away in anger. And the, this leads to a segment after the break. We got a full recap of Roman's return. Uh, great, as if this show isn't long-feeling enough. We now got a full recap. <laughs> so I, uh, again, being English, skipped through it. Uh, after that, uh, Charlie catches up with Drew. Um, he's pissed at Orton, but before he can deliver a message, he's attacked from behind by the man himself, uh, followed up immediately by the third punt of the night. Really not a successful night for the big Scott, and WWE really put over this third one. Like, there was a long break from us seeing Drew getting punted at the start of the show, and then like an hour, hour two hours later was when we saw the Keith Lee match, and he comes out. And so it was quite a long gap for him to have covered to have enough to go back at him. But this one, it was no. He was already damaged, but this one's taken him out. He's he's done for. Um, like after the back, we got we recapped the entire thing happening, and we cut to the doctors. And Charlie is at the doctor's door, um, puts over puts over the punt massively, saying she overheard doctors talking about Orton's attack, possibly giving Drew a fractured skull, followed by WWE medical nonsense. <laughs> it completely takes me out of this when they do that like just end on fractured skull you're over explaining it you're not adding anything more by going into the medical jargon just say fractured skull that's fine <laughs> you don't need to say anything more it's all, yeah, completely unnecessary scripting just don't include the added bit uh, it, I guess it's trying to make the report feel more legit with the medical jargon uh, WWE do this a lot. It's, just, it's, a, it's a pet peeve rather than something that I can say for certain is a negative. It's a personal peeve. It, it's, it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> Don't do it. But we have our reason for Drew not being at payback. That's, that's what I thought this was. Giving a genuine reason for Keith Lee to be angry at Orton, a genuine reason for Keith Lee to challenge Orton and be able to, and for McIntyre to be out of the picture. It kind of just ticks all those boxes and you, again, Play out an entire feud, which will take three, four weeks, and do it in one night. Like, again. <laughs> Which, again, explains why the show felt long. Because there was so much happening. And a lot of it at such a short kind of length that by the end it felt like a lot had happened. Uh, again, fine for a two-hour show. Even more perfect for a one-hour show. But for three hours... By that third hour, I'm just waiting for it to end. <laughs> Which is, unfortunately, is the case on point when we get to our Lumberjack match. Uh, Asuka versus Sasha Banks. Five? Is it? Is it five? Like, within a month, is this the fifth one? I think the first one would have been Extreme Rules and played on from there. Uh, the uh, But yes, yeah, so we've reached WWE's peak point once again. The rematch for the rematch of the rematch of the match... Um, immediately uh, they get that lumberjack gimmick over with Sasha falling to the face's side. Uh, like I really liked Bailey telling them just to hold off, just like get away lumberjacks. Uh, also not calling them lumberjills, just to call them lumberjacks. I think lumberjills was like a divas thing. So again, nice to not, nice to like yeah, it's just standard because they're wrestlers now. They're not divas. Uh, also, um, I was gonna say like I also kind of liked Bailey being a lumberjack, like. I mean, her conflict of interest would have had her application rejected. <laughs> but it's wrestling. Who cares? Let's go. <laughs> it was a nice dynamic to the normal Lumberjack formula to have somebody with such a clear conflict of interest <laughs> being one of the Lumberjacks. Uh, aside from your normal face-heel divide that you always get. Uh, 
Awesome counter from Banks, spearing Asuka out of mid-air. Once again, a great match with beautiful transitions and fantastic fast pace, but I'm just knackered. <laughs> like, this is the 12th segment of the night, and there's still 30 minutes left. Good God, and I just saw this match yesterday. And that was the third or fourth in the, in a month, and this is, like, again, the fifth. Like, I've seen them wrestle so much, they're always good but I'm fatigued of it, and that sucks, because <laughs> it's something I enjoy so much. I genuinely have really, really enjoyed the work between Sasha, Asuka, Bailey, and Kairi Sane, which she was in there as well, and genuinely just been a joy to watch. But I'm fatigued with it. They've, they've, uh, they've mined the, the vein of gold, and yes, it is gold, but they've, they've mined it dry, <laughs> and it's still hammering away. Um, but I guess you could see... I guess you could use this to set us onto. Uh, I use payback as a transitional phase. So yes, uh, at the end of this great, great sequence of dis on display again, uh, using the lumberjacks really well. Uh, Sasha Banks going to dive on Asuka when she, then Asuka moves and she lands onto the lumberjacks, and Asuka goes to do the same. Like just really nice kind of uses of them and spots like. They were used really well to a point where their presence was felt, but they never completely ruined the focus or took it over, which happens in a lot of lumberjack matches. I guess another prime example of it done really well was uh, Seth Rollins Dean Ambrose. Now they had was that even on a SummerSlam or something? They just did a lumberjack match on a pay per view, and it was really good. Like I had, I remember going into that with just, I mean, uh, the, the feud's been fine, but like lumberjack matches are never good. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it done really well. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, I noticed this was good, but I was tired. I guess that's the best way to explain it. That's why I'm bringing up like other Lumberjack matches where I noticed they were good. <laughs> like, I thought this match was good, but I've seen them wrestle so many times in such a short period of time. And on, on this particular night, I am knackered. I, the pacing of the show has not been great. So by the time we hit like the final half hour, it's like, my God. How many segments are in this? <laughs> so that was segment 12. Um, but for the second night in a row, oh dear, uh, in the end, Baszler stopping Bailey from interfering, which led to the distraction, letting Asuka back in for the Asuka lock win. Uh, for the second night in a row, Bailey's distraction attempt doesn't work and ends up costing Sasha the match, and it's all over Sasha's face. <laughs> and it's all over Bailey's face. Like, Sasha's angry. Bailey knows she's messed up and that she's angry it's a, and this is like bigger and bigger strains on the relationship and it feels like the tipping point will be payback I just you know I don't know after personally I would have it be the massive strain but that doesn't mean they properly break up as in it's the massive strain where they maybe they'll try and work it out but it just doesn't work and the strain becomes like loose like more and more worn as they continue to work together as a team or whatever that's what I do. Continue the long, sto long term story they've kind of been doing. Rather than, right, it's time to do it. Change. Bang. It's like, yeah, you've done such a good build. Like, yes, I would be invested if you do a Kevin Owens show. Why am I on this list? Kind of twist. <laughs> they would get a reaction. But I've really enjoyed the different way they've told this story. It's, 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 it's way stories only seen like, in loads of other places. <laughs> in TV, everywhere. Even in wrestling, in the different companies of just taking your time rather than, well, it's pay-per-view time, so let's build it to that. Uh, but yeah. Uh, less of a, I've got it, less of a big advancement after SummerSlam with their arc, and more of a minor swing-slash-follow-up. 
Uh, before I get to that, more comments to look through. Uh, did I see that Benoit? I see Benoit and the hacker. I didn't see the hacker, but I did see Benoit. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. And I think the... I put out a tweet saying... Uh, at the damn Impercat. I put out a tweet saying that I... My kind of thing with like the troll kind of things, because it was the massive thing with the uh, KKK guy as well. Uh, personally, it my, my kind of view on it would be not to, to give them nothing. Don't don't post any articles on the on the trolls. Don't. I mean, it's different on Twitter because sometimes you feel like if you can catch this, then you can kind of put a spotlight on it and, I guess, help WWE with the evidence, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, but we've seen the downside of that as well with Photoshop. Like immediately, there was a fake put out of someone putting Sonya's uh, stalker on one of the boards. And they're like, my God, this was too far. They did this during the match. And I was like, oh, I didn't see that during the match. Turns out the reason I didn't see it is because it was fake and someone had photoshopped it. And I was like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> like, That's just as weird and just as strange. Uh, but yeah, so my view is to not give them the spotlight. They don't deserve the light. Just ignore them. Let WWE handle it. Uh, like in terms of like the headline sites, like personally, I don't want to be seeing articles labelled um, offensive, thi- offensive things spotted on uh, this night on Raw or whatever. Like, I don't want to keep seeing those things. And yes, I know the trolls will keep happening, but you don't give them attention, they will leave. And that's kind of... uh, The big difference, though, is because it gets broadcast on television, there will always be that incentive. And if you've watched WWE for long enough, you know the incentive to do something because you're on a live crowd at television, for some people, is too much. And And people being live on TV from their home... And they're just there on the screen, and they know that it will take a second for their thing to get stopped. For me, that's that. That's gonna that's gonna be an even bigger net of people. Yeah, personally. Yeah. But weirdly, I did like the tweet of the person doing the fired Velveteen Dream thing. Um, but that's more because of WWE's handling of the issues pissed me off. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, no, not not handled the Velveteen Dream thing well. Uh, in any way, a biggest blunder being PR-wise as well. It was handled so badly all over the map. And uh, that's, that's kind of why I supported that one. But things like yeah, showing the Benoit uh, photo, showing uh, the, like the KKK stuff. <laughs> I think someone with Ed a Beheading as well Ed showed a thing. It's like, this sort of thing, just absolutely no. I don't want to give it any time of day. And this is, I'm only addressing this is like the first week as they're figuring stuff out. And as we're like, okay, these things are happening. How do we address it? My way of addressing it, pretend it doesn't exist. That'll be my thing. I won't be talking about it on this show. I won't be talking about it in my columns. I won't be clicking on the articles posting about it. I won't be reading the articles, discussing it. It's just, um, yeah, if I just, just ignore them, don't give the attention, then maybe they'll go away. But for me, the biggest way to stop them is putting deterrence in there, as in for WWE. Uh, but of course, I don't know American law well enough to know how much they can do, aside from treating it like a Twitch stream. So yeah, there's a reason Twitch streams need moderators. Like, every single Twitch streamer needs somebody to be in there banning people. For a reason. <laughs> and if this is like a big, massive Twitch stream in a way, and it's like that's the Twitch chat, like the stream chat in front of you live... Like, you actively need people to be on top of it. And I understand that's really difficult. 
And WWE might have to hire quite a lot of people or expand the amount of people working on it. It's realise I'm looking out at a weird angle. <laughs> might be doing it for quite a while. Uh, there's a lot of bugs flying out that door. So, yeah. Anyway, that's my thought on it. And uh, secondly, uh, did I hear Viddle on Watch Along uh, when Roman returns? Uh, I. Oh, did he say there? Goes my. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, I've not watched that. <laughs> I might I might go and uh, see if it all said, there goes my push when Roman came out. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I need to go watch that. Uh, anyway, after that, we got uh, Drew taken off in an ambulance. Uh, Charlie informs us he'll undergo evaluation, then talks to Keith Lee, uh, asks what he's thinking. Uh, Keith says normally he'd be backstage telling Drew, uh, like, hey, don't get involved in my Raw debut. But instead, I'm watching my friend get loaded into an ambulance. Uh, Drew's tough, he's going to be fine. But Randy Orton, I cannot say the same for him. Yeah, I thought I set up the match really well. And we got Raw Underground, and after Raw Underground, the match was officially confirmed. So, in terms of a one-week build, yeah, you're doing relatively well. Just the changes for Keith Lee are a bit weird, but you've placed him in a really important position, and you've made him feel super relevant. And it's a big style debut against your biggest heel. That's a great way to introduce an act. Uh, Raw Underground, let's address it. Uh, Lashers is still beating people up. This time choking out Cedric Alexander. Uh, Ivar of the Viking Raiders, I guess he's finished his date with Derry, charges in and we go and we go to end up with an all-out brawl. All three of the Hurt Business standing strong. But it's Raw Underground. And for me, it does nothing for me. Uh, part of it's the music as well. <laughs> the entire thing just feels like twenty like the year two thousand. It just feels twenty years ago. It's really weird that they do it. It just doesn't fit it for me. <laughs> it's really strange. Um, I do well. Obviously, again, I, I do always have to say the kind of thing against that is I did enjoy Bloodsport, but that was once, and then it's a full year till the next one. And it's one show entirely like that. Well, underground it's with the music, with the Shane commentary. Um, with the uh, high production as well, like this week as well, it was obviously at the Amway Centre, so it wasn't in a dingy underground either. It's a well-lit area, <laughs> so it's like, there's a lot of conflicting things for the idea for it, but it also the style does nothing for me. Like, it's, it's, yeah, like, is anybody getting directly built up by this? I thought they might be, but this week we didn't, we didn't see any of those guys. It was just main roster people really getting a bit of a rub there. Ah, fine. Uh, then we go to the main event. Dominic and Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. Immediately into a brawl, uh, Rollins launching Mysterio over the announce desk. The bell finally ringing with he and Murphy rolling Dominic into the ring. But he holds his own, fighting off both lads and the perfect amount of time for Rey to recover. The Mysterio standing tall as we head into a break. Uh, after the break, it's Rey struggling and Dominic who eventually gets the hot tag. Uh, really pushing the kid as a super rookie. And more than for it, he's... He's proven that like, he's stepped up to me at every single turn. Just why not continue to just give him more and more bars and see where does he does he fall over any of them? Like, is it can he can does he continue just to jump over them? Um, again, because he's a rookie. Where, where will he fall at some point? Uh, spiking Murphy, popping off the ropes into a spinning DDT. For the reason I lifted my hand a little bit to emphasise hopping. <laughs> it doesn't really emphasise it, does it? Uh, anyway, so. He spins that DDT, like even Ray back in. He isn't fooled by Rollins slash Murphy's tag work. 
as we've seen in the past on Raw. Uh, the Aussie hit by the double 619, which is, oh, I've not written this in the notes, which is the 1238, <laughs> is that right? The 1238 uh, before, wait, yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, but before they hit the splashes, they're attacked by Retribution. So I did say I'd talk about Retribution later, and here we are. Uh, Rollins and Murphy escape up the ramp, leaving the Mysterios to get beaten down by the group. Uh, honestly, we'd quite like this to progress a tad into like some reveals or something, or at least a persistent stable like size or lineup. Like their he their heights change so drastically. How many people are in the group? Do they have like a direct aim or thing going for it, or is it just random chaos? Like it said on Roman Reigns' shirt, like. Like, wreck and leave, or whatever it was. Something like that. And, yeah. Uh, for, for Retribution, it feel it reminds me a lot of the uh, Who Attacked Roman angle from last year. Like, it screams that it's being made up week to week with, like, nothing longer in place. Like, I'm really hoping they become more focused in the coming weeks. Because the attack this week, for me, has such little, little impact. But, like, again... The, the, for me, the retribution attack at this end, because they're feeling to me somewhat directionless, that led to the ending of very little impact. So, yeah. And uh, and that's it. Uh, again, again, I'm not saying retribution are definitely just... Uh, I've completely lost. For me, it's like, right, now it's time to move on to the next gear. Perhaps because of payback, he didn't do that. But I was thinking after SummerSlam, but then it was announced about payback. So, okay, maybe after payback. Uh, but if they continue to just do the random stuff and not really reveal anybody, you fall into dangerous territory. For me, that was the one con about the Aces and Eights, is they left, they came dangerously close to leaving it too late. Is, is, again, this is like a 10-year... When, when, when was Aces and Eights? Was that 2013, 14, 12, 11? <laughs> I get so confused about that. About well, that five-year period in TNA from like 10 to like 15 or 14. <laughs> but yeah, Aces and Eights... Personally, did really well for TNA, but uh, the only reason I'm relating it because it was guys in masks and you didn't know who they were and they would come out and randomly attack. Uh, but they, if, if I'm right, they did have a bigger picture of what the group was and that they had like a kind of angle for it. And this feels like pretty directionless. That's why it reminds me of the Who Attack Roman where that angle, even though there was some reports put out there that no Vince knows what he's doing, that was so clearly made up week to week, and he didn't know if what was revealed on a show would be relevant that next week. And the attacks by Retribution don't feel like there's a reason for it other than causing chaos. Again, throwing a cement block through a window that you have no plan of entering, so you just throw it through the window and leave. All right. <laughs> it's like doing things for the visual of creating chaos, whilst really just being inconvenient <laughs> it's not really the same thing um and wwe doing uh, on, on summerslam like my one criticism for summerslam was when they aired a properly edited vignette for retribution whilst also saying they're this group trying to take down the company and they're properly against uh, us and things and they're just this rogue group that like, well, why are you making a professionally made <laughs> vtr package for them then uh yeah but anyway it looks like it's a cool idea in there it just kind of needs to move on or spend the time to figure out where it's going and have that clear direction and part of part one of that is how big is the group how many members oh that's the same point <laughs> and who are those members 
also more importantly is their actions. Why are they attacking and who are they attacking? I kind of as well if you want to lead off from there. I thought this week could possibly have been the first kind of week in that way, as in going after Dominic and Ray. But because of past weeks, it just is like, well, this is the latest in random. <laughs> it's just random stuff happening. Uh, but that is it for the show. Uh, like, bloody hell. What a long-feeling show. Like, the first two hours were surprisingly well-flowing, especially given the show was reportedly still being written well into the first hour. But wow, was that third hour a struggle? Uh, the pacing issue is really apparent, and Retribution feeling somewhat directionless. Uh, just met, The end fell flat for me. Um, but what did you think? Hit me on Twitter, damn it, Imbacat. Didn't say my Twitter name right. It's half past one, ready for bed. And that's after a knackering weekend as well. <laughs> I'll be back on Thursday for the NXT review. I should be joined by uh, J. Cool, uh, for the NXT columnist on Lords of Pain slash Wrestling Headlines.net. Uh, he joined me for the Great American Bash. He's joined me once again for NXT review this week to uh, talk a little take, talk the aftermath of TakeOver. Quite often the shows for NXT will do a, a lot of recaps, so I don't know if that era's dead, now they're on the USA Network, because this was the first big takeover for me uh, since they've gone to this era. And as it's one aligned with a big... Uh, it was takeover 30 as well, like a big a celebrationary one. And it's the first one aligned with a big pay-per-view uh, of the COVID era. So I'm interested. <laughs> do they do the normal big recap-type show? But because it's on America, they can't really do that anymore. On America? On USA. Because <laughs> they're on USA... They can't really do that anymore. So I'll wait and see. Anyway, a thank you for listening. I'll be back on Thursday for the NXT review. Follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. I will be, because of payback, I will not be going live for the summer struggle in Jingu. I will be, because I have to get ready for Sunday night. Again, yes, things take time. I'm not in the best environment right now. Uh, I will be uh, writing a column on the summer struggle in Jingu. Then I'll be doing Aftershock for payback. Uh, I've, I've jumped for SummerSlam if I'm going to go listen to that to hear all my thoughts on that pay-per-view really enjoyed it uh, huge positive like I've moaned a lot on this floor but I generally I went into it really positive like I was saying on my, on my SummerSlam review that the pay-per-view made me want to watch more wrestling and I've not had that coming out of WWE pay-per-view for quite some time like the this era they've either not made me want to watch more wrestling as I wasn't really energised by it or they were so long that I was just I just needed a break from wrestling, <laughs> like WrestleMania, like five-hour WrestleManias or SummerSlams. Like I'm exhausted from wrestling by the end of them, even if I've really enjoyed them. Because for me, that's three SummerSlams in a row that I've genuinely enjoyed. It's just the like, past few years we've had that really long streak of stupidly long shows. Uh, it was nice to do a show without it being daylight. <laughs> like Aftershock. Uh, also, the uh, worst case roulette with uh, wrestling shorts. Uh, who joined me and we recorded that last Wednesday and then I did I knackered myself I did the whole edit in two days a full 40 minute animated somewhat <laughs> video I did the sound in one day and the video edit, video edit on Saturday in one day and I was bloody knackered I'm really proud of how it turned out <laughs> so yeah give it a like and whatever just to let me know if you liked it or not 
I mean, that's what like means. Anyway, I'll be back on Thursday. I'm rambling a bit. Please do check out all the other shows on LAP Radio if you listen to this on the podcast. Like, like and subscribe if you're here on the YouTubes. There's the five-star reviews and things which really help us up on the podcast. Also, if you want to support us currently, you can go to Red Circle and donate to LOP Radio. Yeah, I think the main feed's probably the best one, but I don't know if you... I don't know if it really matters which show you die, you uh, donate to. I don't know. Uh, on Lords of Pain Radio. We've got WF Legacy series. We've got the Maple Leaf history, uh, which hopefully will be featured more heavily on Lords of Pain once things are properly set up. It's currently being posted, though, uh, if you want to go there. Again, I'm rambling. I'll see you on Thursday. <laughs> so with that, uh, I bid you adieu. What did you think of Keith Lee and his debut? Was it messed up or not? And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.